Hey, Tim, we made it. <laughs> nice to see you. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Sorry, but I'm not uh, also I'm not a big technology guy. So sometimes when there is the little thing that just go different, like ah, uh, well, we made yeah, it. Yeah, so I know good. how it goes. I know yeah. everybody used Zoom so much during COVID, but I for some reason got through the whole thing without ever having to use it. So this is my first time using yeah. it. Yeah, you see, once you once you do it once, then it's fine. Yeah, it was once you sent the new link, it was fine. Yeah, it's so cool to see all the sketches and, and copies on your wall in the back. Oh, yeah, I didn't even check to see what was in the background, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, I uh, yeah, I give a little pen on this is my my studio. So, oh man, what a privilege! Lots wow. of stuff, fun books, you know. Oh, that's so cool, man. Where, where are you at? Uh, I'm in Richmond, Virginia right now. Okay. And where are you originally from? Um, I'm originally from Kansas, um, but I've kind of moved all around the States a little bit. I live, I spent quite a bit of time living in New York and uh, I was in San Francisco for about three years, uh, like in the mid or early to mid nineties in Virginia. I spent a lot of time in Virginia as well. Uh, My wife's whole family is from, uh, from here in Virginia. So we've spent quite a bit of time here. It's kind of one of our home bases. San Francisco in the nineties where everything was happening. Huh? Yeah, man. I was there, I guess it was uh ninety-two to ninety-five. So that's when, you know, so much amazing stuff was going on. And uh like you know, tattooing is everywhere now, but it's really like just during those years at least, it really felt like we were sort of in the center of the universe. I mean, like there were so many great tattooers in San Francisco. No, and now there's great tattooers everywhere, but that was a really special time. Yeah, like, you know, there is a lot of tattooers now everywhere, but, you know, there is some uh, people that contribute in a significant, you know, pushing, let's say, steering towards a certain direction that is significant, is a significant, you know, change of. So, and I think you and, and the whole group, like you were telling me last time, you know, you, you're a good friend with Eddie Deutsch, you know, that whole group, Freddie Corbin, you, Juan Puente, Scott Sildier, all these, all of you guys, you, you were part of this like renaissance or something, you know, in those days. Yeah. It, and I mean, the thing about that is you never really know that you're part of anything that's happening until years later, you know, like now I can look back and I'm so thankful that I was there during that time, but it was, it was quite a bit different from the way things are now because there was still uh, kind of a, a lot of a lot of open frontier where things could be tried that hadn't necessarily been tried before. Um, so it was like a lot of experimentation and just playing around and seeing what worked and what didn't work and what we could get away with and everything. Yeah. Do you think, I would say that's what made this possible, right? The freedom to play with it. Yes, absolutely. Well, that and the fact that I think that the, the clients were getting a lot more knowledgeable about things and and knowledgeable about people's styles and willing to let people try things and and you know and uh and really push it as far as we could yeah and if we step a little uh backward right can you can you remember how your first encounter with with tattooing was more or less you know not a specific day and time but how you know the first time let's say there is no tattoo in your life and now there is like how was that the first approach how did it came around uh i guess um 
my, my the, the first exposure to it when I really started getting interested was uh, um, like going to uh, to punk rock shows and stuff and seeing tattoos on uh, people in bands that were touring from, you know, other places. And, um, uh, you know, growing up in Kansas, I didn't really travel anywhere uh, to either coast or anything like that the whole time I was growing up. So to see these guys from, you know, New York and LA and Boston and Chicago come through and they all were, uh, you know, a lot of them had tattoos at that time. And I was just fascinated. I, it, it really blew my mind to see these intense guys that all had these, you know, like thick New York accents and stuff. And they were all piled in vans, just traveling across the country. It seemed like such an amazing way to live your life. And these guys were such characters and had all these wild stories about being everywhere in the country. And uh, it just completely opened my mind as far as what is possible. And the tattoos were, um, were fascinating to me. I always drew a lot as a kid and I, I always kind of like, I, I definitely wanted to be an artist of some kind, but you know, the idea that there was this kind of like uh, living art that was on these people and sort of, it sounds a little bit corny, but like became part of their lives in a way, you know, like you could put something on somebody and then that person would go out in the world and you'd sort of be with them a little bit and everything else that they did. Like, I just thought that was so cool. And, uh, um, you know, and that, that, that really made me want to start getting tattooed, like the first few tattoos. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was the, that was the beginning of it for sure. Yeah. Can you, can you remember some of those tattoos that stuck with you? For example, like when I started seeing the first tattoo that I'd ever seen, I was like, I don't know, eight or 10 or something, but I remember specifically because I come from Italy. So in the nineties and stuff, there was no the culture there was in the U S so it was basically tribals or the realistic something, something, you know? Right. So I remember just these tribal on these hooligans, right around the city <laughs> right which were by definition the tough guys you know these people uh -huh. that were always getting trouble always fighting and stuff and when you're little uh you know i always saw them not with admiration but be like oh recognizing like oh they're tough men they have that man quality to them or something you know and those yeah. tribal were like a mark of that no lifestyle but you know that identity that strength it's like oh those tribals they look so tough on these dudes you know so to me it was that is there something you can remember like this? Like, oh, that tattoo I still remember of this guy was dope. Um, the first, I guess the first thing that comes to mind um, would be uh, the band Cro-Mags from New York and bass player Harley Flanagan had this uh, big demon in the center of his chest with these wings kind of spread out. Um, I think it's a flash design. I, I've, I've run across it over the years, but it was so... Uh, just imposing and tough looking like you said and it it seemed like it really fit his personality and almost sort of defined him in a way um and that that really made an impression on me because it was it was so uh so strong and i i the i, I think the tattoos i had seen before that probably were smaller ones or you know when i was real little <clears throat> i saw uh, a few tattoos on um on like older guys uh, here and there in the town I grew up in. And there, I remember there was a guy at our church uh, when I was growing up that had, he, he was in the military, you know, in, uh, in the forties and he had 
uh, a couple of military tattoos on his forearm. And I always thought, wow. And they, they were pretty much just blobs at that point. But, you know, just the idea that he had these things that were markers of something he'd been through, you know, decades before. I just, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, you know, tattoo is many things, right? So it's many things for many cultures and many countries and stuff. But that's, for example, is one aspect of it. The fact that you always bring that mark of that thing, you know, right. so powerful. And uh, so how, how did you go from there to San Francisco? Like, how did you get your foot in the door? Um, it was like San Francisco came a little bit later. I, I'm, when I, um, when I was still in Kansas, I really wanted to get out and I had started playing around with tattooing just a little bit on my friends and whatnot. And I had gotten a few tattoos. Um, the, the first tattoo I got in a tattoo shop was in Kansas city, which was the only place anywhere close to where I was that had tattoo shops. Um, and there were, I think there were maybe three tattoo shops in Kansas city at that point. Um, one of them was Wes Grimm's who's uh, Bert Grimm's uh, great grandson or great grandson. I, 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 apologize i'm not i don't remember the exact lineage but that was one of the oldest shops uh, around so west Grimm did my first one and then uh um it, i really got bit by the bug um and then um so i started playing around with it a little bit and um and then uh my girlfriend at the time ended up moving to new york to go to school so i i just followed her there um and ended up tattooing um a lot more and and to just tattooing underground because it was still illegal at this point um so uh i worked a little bit worked a little bit and learned and uh i ended up pretty much tattooing full-time for about the last year of being in new york and then um i got offered a, my first tattoo shop job at a shop in new jersey so i moved to new jersey uh and worked there for uh, uh i guess a couple of years um, a friend of mine uh, had moved out to San Francisco, Marcus Pacheco, who I had met in New York when I was there, had moved out to San Francisco to work for Lyle Tuttle. And he, when he was leaving uh, Lyle Tuttle's, or I guess he was, I guess he left Lyle Tuttle's and opened the first version of Primal Urge with Aaron Kane. And that, and that lasted a little while. And then he and Aaron had a falling out and Marcus was going to leave and open a new version of Primal Urge in San Francisco. Uh, so he called me and asked me if I wanted to move to San Francisco. And I was pretty fed up with New Jersey at that time. So I moved out to San Francisco. I jumped at that chance, you know, to go out there. Uh, so that's how I ended up in San Francisco in, uh, like I said, 92, I believe that was. Wow. And, you know, you, you've been close friends, you're close friends with this, you know, people that, again, they are big name in the business, you know, they, what, would you say, right? If I would ask you from a, because you know them much better than many other people, what would you say, for example, you mentioned Marcus Pacheco at Didoich, right? What is the thing that you like the most of them, either as people or as artists, right? You say, oh man, this guy does this thing like nobody else. What is the thing that to you resonate that you really admire in their, in their work? Um, I think it was, uh, it was for both of those guys, for Eddie and Marcus, I think it was their, their creativity and their willingness to just try something that hadn't been done. Ed, Eddie is one of the most creative people I've ever met. And he's got so many ideas. You probably, you know, got a sense of that when you talk to him. 
Um, yeah, I mean, he's just all over the place in, in a really, really good way. Um, I, I would constantly see stuff that he, that he was trying, you know, to just to see if it would work and be like, where in the world did you come up with that? You know, it's just, it was so exciting to see something new all the time. And also um, with him, especially, I, it, I got a sense of just how hard he was working. He was working uh, for Ed Hardy at the, that version of Tetchy City at that point. And that was when Ed was still tattooing a lot. And uh, Freddie Corbin was working there. Dan Higgs was working there. And uh, Igor Mortis was working there. Um, so I, Eddie did my back at that, at that time. And so I got to spend a lot of time at Tattoo City getting tattooed and just seeing what was going on. And, um, and I could not believe how hard Eddie worked. He would just tattoo all day, all night. And then he would go home and draw for hours, you know? And I, he was just trying to, to be on top of the heap. And he, he was, you know, trying to pull himself there just through working so hard. And he really did it. It was, uh, it was amazing. It made me feel lazy. You know, that feeling like <laughs> yeah. you're around somebody that just makes you feel like I'm not doing anything. I've got to get off my ass. That was the feeling of being around Eddie. And Marcus always had that too. Marcus just, you know, constantly trying new stuff. Um, you know, he came up with that whole Cubist look that was really his signature thing. Um, that sort of started slightly when he was still in Brooklyn. I remember him talking to me about it a little bit. Uh, he had uh, an art school background and he, he did, I think that was the first sort of Cubist style tattoo on uh, a girl he was dating at the time. And I remember seeing it just being, wow, this is something completely different. I had seen Cubism in painting, of course, but I had never seen anybody try to translate it into tattoo. And he, you know, he was saying, yeah, this is something I really want to explore because I feel like I can do a lot more of it. And then, of course, you know, that blew up almost to the point where it bit him in the ass a little bit because he started getting requests for cubist versions of everything under the sun, including some stuff that probably didn't really work. You know, that was like mm -hmm. the thing everybody would ask for was the cubist coke bottle or the cubist rat or the you know whatever it was and i think he kind of he kind of uh got to the point where he felt like it was just on a loop you know and he started like kind of phasing that out a little bit and just branching into you know what he ended up doing afterwards but yeah like just the audacity to try that kind of stuff and then seeing it catch on and become you know a worldwide thing that he was doing and that, you know, people were imitating and, you know, just to see, you know, people that, you know, do something like that and see the beginning of it and then see it just take off. It was really, really cool. And there were a lot of people in San Francisco uh, at that time that were doing incredible stuff like that. And, you know, San Francisco has such an underpinning of, uh, classic tattooing and you know like Lyle Tuttle was there Ed Hardy was there you know Ed Hardy obviously was such a gigantic influence on on tattooing uh worldwide in, in America uh, especially um you know so that was uh that was a, a really big part of it too yeah <clears throat> you know when a friend of mine I think put it very well it's like people like this you know people like you guys 
he said, you know, they have the same pieces of the puzzle that we all have. It's not like they have more pieces, but with the same pieces of the puzzle, they do something that you're like, how the fuck did you come up with that? I got the same right. pieces, you know? And it yeah. really, it's a whole another level of thinking. So it doesn't matter how many people there are. I don't know. They had the same things, you know, it's a machine, it's needles and ink. And they do stuff. They're like, how do you come up with that? You know? And one thing that I really like, and especially you see this, I think in a bit more, even in the people that have more like folk style roots kind of thing, if, if we stretch it that way, like Eddie Deutsch, you know, that is more, I don't know how to explain it, you know, is, is more as this childlike feeling to it, you know, and not in a negative way, in the sense that like a child, like a kid, they don't think about, oh, I should do this because that's how you do it. You know, they have that, like right. you said, the audacity to be like, why are you doing flowers in the eyes? Like, yeah, why not? You know, it's like that type of thing, yeah. right? Yeah, and children don't analyze like adults do, I think. They just kind of, it just comes straight from their imagination. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of times adult artists have to kind of struggle to try to get back to that place that you were when you were a kid and you just drew stuff for fun because pretty much everybody draws when they're a kid, I feel like. And, um, you know, like when you get older and you take it more seriously, um, and especially if you, if you have a lot of, you know, schooling or training or anything, um, you know, and you get critiques all the time and that kind of thing. And you sort of start to get in the habit of analyzing everything and, you know, following the logical path a lot. And, um, you know, that's, I think to, to really be creative, that's something that you have to untrain yourself to do. You kind of have to be willing to just, you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to, you know, just ignore the rules that are ingrained in you and, and, you know, follow whatever, just follow it wherever it leads. Yeah. You know, going, going to this, you know, your stuff, what, what really fascinated me of you as a painter, because, you know, I've been following you for a long time now and really admire your, you know, your work. One thing that I really admire is the fact that you have, apart from, which we'll get there in a second, this, you know, impossible worlds kind of feeling, you know, to your painting. But you have often this mix in between the two, meaning, bear with me a second. You know, I see this kind of like a yin yang, order and chaos, right? You have structure and you have gesture. So you have perspective or it has to make sense, proportions, la, la, la. And then you have gesture, which is like energy and chaos, right? And in your stuff, you can see a balance between the two. So you have stuff in these impossible words, very sometimes a little manga-like, you know, these characters that make sense in 3D space. So it's a humanoid figure, which makes sense, you know, like the joints, it would work if you, you know, would be a person would stand. But then you stretch those things in a way that is very energetic and gestural, but you know, you have both. So it's not something completely fantasy and like impossible or just something stiff and perfect. You know, it has a bit of both, right? right? So my question is, what are you into? You know, what is, because this is a, this is a, not something that you plan, right? I think this is an arrival. Sometimes younger artists are like, how do I find the styles? Like you don't find the style, the style finds you, right? right. So I think yeah. it's, it's a subproduct of your, what you like, what you watch, you know, those kind of things. And then eventually you draw like that because that's what you like, right? Sure. What yeah. kind of stuff are you into? Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty diverse, I guess. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different painters that I like a lot. I like, um, I, I like stuff that, uh, 
that is is odd or strange or that that kind of pulls you in because it 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 reminds you of of something but you can't quite figure it out like those are the kind of things that i like um you know in seeing other people's work and and i feel like it it always engages me more it makes me want to want to you know stand there and look more and and try to figure it out and i like that feeling in your mind of not being able to resolve anything um you know things being kind of ambiguous i mean a lot of the stranger stuff that's in um some of the paintings that i've done that are like more non-tattoo um so just come from that like the strangeness of it or the mystery of it um like uh i don't know i would say um painting wise like uh i don't know people like francis bacon or uh dali or uh neil rauch um uh, you know, there's just kind of a, a, a lot of the surrealists, uh, there's a, 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 an oddness to it that really, uh, really appeals to me, the mystery of it and, the, and the, the excitement of just trying to understand it and then sort of realizing that you can't and you, you, you kind of just eventually realize you sort of have to just let go and let it be what it is. I don't know, there's just something that I, I really like about that feeling. And so I try to I don't think I, I consciously try to do that, but it, I think that where I've, where I've arrived, like you were saying, like where I've arrived, you know, having those influences has sort of led to what I do. And also like, you know, I love traditional tattooing, American traditional, Japanese traditional, you know, all those forms, Polynesian, all that stuff. I love that stuff to death. Um, uh, I'm not particularly great at it. There's a lot of other people that are way better at that stuff than I am, but I love it. I love, having those tattoos. I love watching people put those kind of tattoos on. Um, I love the history of all that kind of work. Um, but with that, especially something like Japanese, for example, there's a formalism that you sort of have to stick to if it's, if you want it to look right. Um, so, you know, that, that entails kind of a lot of rules and, um, uh, I think at a certain point when I, when I started getting interested in those kind of styles, I, I felt uh, a need to have a, a different uh, avenue to step into where I could throw all those rules out the door and just literally do anything I could think of. So that's where that, that stranger stuff started coming in. And for a while I, I sort of separated it. I, I had, it, you know, I guess kind of a, a rule with myself that paintings were either going to be very tattoo influenced or they were going to be this other thing. Um, I don't even really remember exactly why I felt like that, but I, I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe it was that I just never had an idea of how to combine them and have it make sense or, you know, not have it look ridiculous. Um, but, uh, at some point, those two things sort of started to uh, to merge a little bit um, and and mash together. So I think a lot of the stuff I do now, there's there's definitely a nod to tattooing and traditional stuff in there, but there's also like all the rest of it that's just you know no no rules. Yeah, it's like <clears throat> I think was a, a a realistic sort of uh, watercolor painter. I think his name is Joseph which she said something like you don't state you suggest right right 
So it's kind of like, okay, you know, like you said, you know, if I make you a painting, it's specifically kind of like a realistic thing, even if, you know, then we go into something else, but, you know, like a, like a picture. Okay, this is what it is, period, right? Instead, if you suggest, then the mind or the viewer completes it with whatever it is that they're into a little bit, you know, that sense of mystery you're talking about, right? Right. And I think it makes the painting more alive because now it's it's open to possibilities rather than being like a closed circuit, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. And it also, I feel like it probably makes the viewer feel more involved because not everything is defined. I mean, they can, they can bring themselves into it and their own interpretation. That's why it's always interesting to hear um, how people like uh, explain certain paintings or um, a lot of times people lately have been requesting tattoo versions of certain paintings I've done. And the way that they describe it is always interesting because it's a lot of times it's completely different than anything I had in mind. And it sometimes it, it suggests like kind of a new interpretation of it. And I'll, I'll go back and look and like, oh yeah, it is like that. So, you know, it's, it, it involves, it involves the person that's viewing it a lot more too. And not everything is, you know, exactly there for you to, to not have to dissect yourself. Yeah. It's nice. It's like a, a, a symbiotic relationship. It's not just a close right. thing. Yeah, like, oh, exactly. you're just a passive receiver of my image, right? You part of it, you make it alive. Right. Right. It, it makes me think of like some years ago, I went to buy a toy for my friend that was having a baby, you know, it was a toy, whatever. And we go into the shop, just a random. And the woman was explaining, it was a bit of a different shop. Right. And the woman was explaining, you know, what is the toy that I sell the most for kids? Like, I don't know, three years old, four. It's like, no, it's like that one. And it was kind of like a bucket, right? And like, really? Mm. And she's like, yes, because, you know, when you sell like a Spider-Man truck, that's what it is, period. It can't really be anything else. It's a Spider-Man truck. But that bucket, you know, then the, for the kid can be a helmet, can be a shield, can be uh, something to sit inside. So they come up with all crazy shit, right? Right. So I think that kind of philosophy is really interesting yeah, because you leave it open to like, this is, I'm kind of suggesting you what this is and then let's see where you bring it, right? Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's almost like, uh, uh, I, just, I just became a grandparent earlier this year. So we just had my grandson's first birthday, first Christmas and first birthday. Oh, um, yes. And it was really, it, thanks. Uh, it was really fun to watch him open Christmas presents for the first time because like so many kids, he was so much more interested in the box that came in than what was in the box. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, the box isn't defined. The box offers so many possibilities. You can make whatever you want out of it. Yeah. And, you know, the toy is just the toy. It's like right there. So, um, yeah, that's the same kind of thing, I think. Yeah, they're, like they're, sometimes they're like mini Buddhas, you know. I remember this friend of right. mine in New Zealand, I was there like some years ago working. Then his kid, one of them was like three and she's like a mini Buddha, you know? So she's just walk into the room, maybe say hi, and then like not care about anything else. And then she turns and whatever is in front of her, I don't know, she finds a table. She's like, yo, and then she starts like doing shit. And then she turns around and she, there is like, I don't know, a chair. Whoa, <laughs> you know? right. she freaks out with everything. And I'm like, what are you seeing? You know? Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, it's like a. I mean, it's interesting to think about. I uh, when I was living in New York um, from 2007 to about 2017, uh, our upstairs neighbors were um, some good friends of ours, this family that we knew for quite a long time, and they had three little girls, um, 
so the, the girls would always come downstairs and hang out with me in the studio and uh, and just play around and we would make paintings of, you know, like Pokemon characters and stuff. And they would also always come down and look at what I was working on. Um, and I remember one time there was uh, something I was working on that was about halfway finished. Uh, and, uh, and Kate, one of the girls was down in my studio. I think she was probably about maybe four or five years old. And she was looking at, at this thing. And she's, she said, uh, um, I let, she was like, that looks nice. I really like the alligator. And I looked <laughs> at the painting and I, I was like, there's no alligator in there. And then she left and I was thinking about it and I stepped back and I was, I, I kept looking at trying to see what she saw. And then lo and behold, over in the corner, there was this collection of shapes that was something completely different, but, I, I saw it. I saw the alligator that she was seeing. And it, it was fascinating to me that that's the first thing she saw. Like her brain went straight there. Um, nice. You know, and it took me because I, you know, I made the thing. So, you know, I, I had an intention behind it and, you know, all these ideas and logic and whatever. So I just blew right past that because, you know, she came in and she had none of those restrictions or filters. She was just like, yeah, there's an alligator right there. So that that really made me think. I thought that was interesting. It's so cool, you know. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, you've been working for two weeks on this, and you got all these expectations. Okay, throw it away. This is this, <laughs> you know? right? <laughs> exactly. You know what could be interesting? Maybe some people does it already. I don't know. Maybe you do it, but it could be interesting to have if you are trying. Imagine you're someone that tried to pursue that more freestyle, right? It could be interesting to have a collaboration with your kid or something. You know, maybe let you sketch something like, what is it? Do you like it? What you think? Just tell me whatever it's your mind. And then they say something and like, hmm. And then you go that direction. I don't know. It could be interesting to see like where he goes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Kids are great. Yeah. And so you you are, are or not uh, formally trained? Uh, no, not really. Um, I've uh, I've done a lot of, uh, of learning on my own, but yeah, I don't have... a, a an art school background or anything like that yeah because i mean you can draw so the question is you know what what would you say is the most i mean it's a long journey right you've been drawing right. your life pretty much i guess and you've been tattooing for what 34 35 years or something 30, i guess 35 yeah 1988 so yeah 2023 i guess yeah 35 35 years at this point so it's a long time but what would you say you know to people that, that are trying to develop right they're drawing without having either the, the will or the possibility or whatever of formal training, right? What would you, what would you say right. they could start from? You know, there's a lot of things, of course, but kind of like, you know what, maybe pay attention to this or, you know, what would you say is something that could help them? Um, I think, uh, I don't know. One of the interesting things I've, I've sort of started figuring out for just the last few years is, uh, a lot of things, um, especially in tattooing, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the things you draw or the shapes you make or whatever um, seem to be or seem to work the right way when you don't come at it by just trying to beat it into submission. Like, by, like water is a really good example of that. I, I, I'm, I've always been fascinated by the way water was drawn in tattoos and, and all of that. So I spent years trying to figure that out and crack the code. And um, I did that by copying a lot, by copying 
other people's shapes and and trying to pay, sort of paste them together and make something that looked right. And it never, it never, um, it never had that that spirit. You know what I mean? That sort of indefinable quality uh, that I saw in other people's work who were more you know experienced than I was. Um, and I always wondered, like, what's the deal, especially with water, because you know it's not water; it's a few lines and a few, you know, agreed upon shapes. But it it has that that flow and that feeling that water has. Um, and I always wondered why it wasn't really working. And then later on, um, you know, down the line, when I I felt like I had more of a handle on it, um, and I would just I, I stopped sort of trying to replicate the shapes and, and stuff I'd seen and just sort of let it flow. Like Eddie really taught me a lot about that because that's how he did it. He was like, you got to just let it flow. You can't think about it too much. Um, and I realized it was, you know, after all that time of trying to copy stuff, it sort of becomes ingrained in you and it becomes an instinct. So instead of, you know, trying to replicate something, you're just working on instinct. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's when it looks the most natural and it has that spirit and that, that energy. So I would probably tell people, you know, don't rush the early period where you are copying stuff a lot and you're analyzing stuff a lot. Like you have to get all of that in you, I think, to the point where it becomes almost second nature or muscle memory, something like that. And then at a certain point, you can just let go of that and just let yourself sort of feel it and, and not even worry about it. I mean, if it doesn't work out, start over, you know, it's just a piece of paper. So I think maybe uh, that's one, one thing I would tell people early on is don't, don't stress too much about why it's not working. Just keep doing what you're doing. Keep, keep copying things, keep trying to understand things and, uh, you know, draw as much as you possibly can draw everything you can, um, you know, even things that you don't feel would be useful necessarily, it all sort of helps. I think it all sort of, sort of uh, develops your instincts. Um, so at a certain point, you can start to trust those enough to rely on them and, you know, get a result that has that sort of energy that's indefinable that you can't, I don't think you can get if you're analyzing everything so much. Yeah. And, and I think, like you say, I think consistency is key. Right. Because Right. Absolutely. I think usually when I talk about drawing with, with people and stuff, it's better if you do it even five minutes, but every day rather than, oh, I've been drawing all day now. And then you don't touch it for two weeks. Right. Right. Because you get in the, in the mindset of seeing things that way. Right. Or, yeah, absolutely. And is there some, something that you had of the stuff that you did until now, right? Uh, painting, drawings, uh, exhibition and stuff. Is there something that you particularly had fun with? either in terms of idea or subject or specifically whatever, you know, something like, Oh man, I had a blast with that one. Um, I, I have a blast most of the time. I <laughs> That's think. good. That's um, good. Because I, like the, I, there's not really, uh, I mean, there's a few tattoo subjects and stuff like that, that I really enjoy doing, you know, like tigers, dragons, that kind of stuff. Um, but I feel like at a certain point, um, it all just becomes about the shapes and, you know, the shapes are just, uh, there's, there's something so satisfying about putting shapes together and, and ha you know, how they push and pull and interact with each other and composition. And I mean, that's always, that's always something I've liked a lot. I like the, the problem solving aspect of, uh, 
something like large tattoos and trying to figure out how how to make it work on uh, on a 3D surface of the body. Like that's always sort of a puzzle that you have to figure out every single time. And I love that that process of of trying to to solve the problem and, and make something that works in the context of what you're doing. And also that I mean that's in you know that's part of painting too is trying to always figure it out. And I there, you know there's something so uh, so gratifying about that. Um, I think just for me personally, this if there's stuff that I don't enjoy as much, it's probably um, like very rigid, uh, tedious, exacting kind of stuff. I'm not particularly good at that. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, that, that feels like more of a chore to me personally, or feels a lot more like work. Um, the constricting, like limiting. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and nowadays there's so many great people that are fantastic at that kind of work. So it, it, makes a lot more sense to tell you know if people not many people hit me up for that kind of stuff but when they do to just tell them like that's not you know something that i'm necessarily good at you know these are the people that are really good at it and this is who you should contact you know if you you know to get it done right yeah and after like 35 years tattooing right where where do you feel you're at now in your relationship with tattooing because obviously you change and the way you you feel about it, or you you know you interact with it, the the, the space they take in your life, or their like if you be a person, the relationship you have with it, right? Change. Yeah. So how do you feel? Like what is that relationship today after such a long after thirty five years? Um, I uh, I really really love it. Um, I think one thing that's helped me uh, still love it so much uh, after all this time is. Um, uh, quite a few years ago when I started painting a lot more and getting interested in it, um, I started uh, sort of separating my time a little bit. Like in the beginning of painting, I would just do it, you know, after a full day of tattooing at night or whatever. But uh, when I started getting a little more serious about it, um, I realized that it worked a lot better for me to separate the time, to have blocks of time that were just for painting and blocks of time that were just for tattooing. So I started uh, arranging my schedule like that um, and uh, blocking off these chunks of time where I was just painting. And uh, one of the things that happened because of that was uh, it, it allowed me to kind of step away from tattooing a little bit. Um, and, and it made me really miss it when those blocks of painting time would, would be close to ending. Uh, I was really missing tattooing and missing my customers and, just the just putting tattoos on people um you know so i think that that helped a lot with uh you know maintaining the the love for it over the years i have friends you know that are my age that have been in the business as long as i have that can't stand tattooing and you know i i would never want to feel like that they they you know they resent all the changes and how different everything is and you know how many more people are involved and you know nothing in life stays the same everything changes i think it was kind of inevitable that tattooing was gonna uh, you know become popularized when tattooers started getting so much better and especially when uh tattoos started being on television like when miami inc came around and it was like one of the first television shows about tattooing and people could see 
you know, what the inside of a tattoo shop was like, what tattoos looked like on people. You could see Chris Garver drawing these, you know, fantastic versions of things. Um, so it uh, like kind of opened the door to, you know, the world sort of accepting tattooing. And that's, that. Yeah, there are obviously good things and bad things about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I would, I, I wouldn't want to be in a position to resent tattooing because it's changed or anything like that. So I feel like being able to step away every now and then and, um, and really appreciate it and miss it and want to go back to it uh, has definitely helped me not, you know, not get burned out. And there's still so much great tattooing going on. I mean, it's almost like, uh, it's kind of like a golden age right now. There's so many good people, you know, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I feel like Instagram has almost been the thing that's changed tattooing the most since I've been involved. I think that was a, a massive, you know, uh, wave of people that got interested, uh, and dove in and got good so quick, like just in a few years. Because you can see inside people, let's call it houses, you know, could be shop, right? You know, yeah. now you can see into people's houses before you couldn't, before you had a magazine, that's about it. And then you had to physically go there. But now you can literally enter, so to say, into people's houses every day, all the time and see everything they've got, you know, yeah. in terms of, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like it sounds like the name, a name that could be totally along the lines of your paintings change. Right. Yeah. You because know? your stuff has this, you know, this feel, this realistic feeling. And um, um, yeah, I totally agree with you. You know, that, that kind of stuff that you said about taking the distance, kind of like having, like with a partner, you know, you need to have the time to miss that person in order to, you know, to say, I miss you, you know, so it's the same thing yeah. if you do it every day. At first you, you have to do the grind, you know, to get your bones and, you know, also you have that kind of energy, but I feel the same. Now I'm tattooing less and also doing other things. And then when I go to the shop, I love it. Cause now I'm like, right. you know what? I haven't talked to a customer in a few days or something. Where are you from, dude? Tell me all about it. You know, instead of yeah. being just four days, dun, 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 right. But again, yeah, exactly. phases, I guess. Right. And um, can you think about, sometimes this question is a little tricky, you might, you know, you might need some time to think about it, but can you think about either an advice that you received in your career with all the people you met or something that you have learned by yourself that you keep going back to still today frequently and be like, oh, that thing really helped me and still helped me, you know, often? Uh, I don't know. I I would have to think about that for a minute. Um, I, uh, I think um, it might just be the, the, the fact that I, I was sort of like gifted this career so early on, um, you know, like all, pretty much all I did when I was young was draw pictures and um, I always, you know, wanted to do that it was never really a question of anything else uh and over the years i've i've met a lot of people and had a lot of conversations with people who are all in various stages of their lives and have had all the experiences they've had that that don't really have um 
an, an idea of what they want to do with their, their life or what they want to be. Or, you know, a lot of people will go to college um, and to prepare for uh, a specific career and they'll spend years doing that. And then when they leave college and start the career, they discover that, you know, learning how to do the job and then actually doing the job are two completely different things. And they enjoyed learning about the job, but actually doing the job is not at all what they wanted to do. Um, and that, like, I'm, I'm really grateful that I, luckily I never had to do that. I never had a question about what I wanted to do. I mean, it's like the, you know, the thing I love the most and the thing I've kind of dedicated my life to. And honestly, it's the only thing I'm any good at really. So, uh, you know, like I, the, the, the older I get and the more I'm involved in this, the more I really appreciate um, what we do. And the fact that we get to just draw pictures for a living. I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, like so many people never get to do anything as enjoyable as what we do every single day. You know, and I, I, I think it's important not to forget that, not to lose sight of that when you, you know, you get stressed out and like, oh, I have so many drawings to do. And, Oh my God. I'm so like, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it always kind of makes me laugh a little bit when I, when I see people complain about tattooing, because there's so many worse things that you could be doing yeah. in your life. I mean, yeah. you know, making art and, and tattooing people is kind of a miracle. It's like, you know, it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous on the face of it because, you know, we're drawing pictures on people that don't wash off. They stay there. And it's like, how in the world did we make a whole career out of this? How are there <laughs> yeah. enough people that want pictures drawn on them to support all of us? And, you know, like put food on our table and a roof over our head and everything. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just the, the appreciation of that. Like the longer it goes, the more I think about that and realize, you know, like if it all ended, if I walk out the door this morning and get hit by a car, I, I would have no complaints about what I got for a life. I mean, it's, you know, I feel like I just hit the lottery to be able to do something that you love so much uh, and, and make, you know, make a go of it and have it last as long as it's lasted for me. And, you know, I, I would imagine that people, there are people that have been in it, you know, decades longer than I have, but I'm, you know, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes when I, when I talk, especially to some younger, you know, tattooers that, you know, have a lot of anxiety about things. I uh, pretty much what you said. I remember this thing that Tony Robbins said: exchange expectation with appreciation. You know, right. so all this thing that we want that we don't have. And then if you stop a second and you think on what you have, actually, you know, the fact that you can literally yeah. make time to sit down and paint, which is the most trivial thing in the world. You know, you're like, dude, you already want, man. You know, you're already the privilege, one of the privileged ones, right? Yeah. And um, is there, if you could magically talk to yourself when you were like 16 or something, right? What, with the stuff you know now, what would you tell yourself? You should be like, oh yeah, if I wouldn't have known this. Um, boy, that's a tough one too. Uh, um, it might be kind of similar to what we were just talking about, just about, you know, don't, stop being impatient and stop thinking about, you know, all the things that you can't do because it'll come. You have to just stick with it. I think, uh, 
you know, a lot of people when they're younger are in such a big hurry to grow up and be an adult and all that. And, you know, once you become an adult, you realize that there's a lot of things about being an adult that aren't nearly as fun as what you were doing when you were younger. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that sort of happens with everybody. You look back at your youth and you think, oh my goodness, like if I would have understood how great this time is, I would have tried to appreciate it more. Um, but then again, everybody kind of has to learn that for themselves, you know, because I, I remember being young, old people telling me this, that, and the other, and giving me advice, which is probably all really good advice. And you just think that person doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, there's, they're yeah. so much older than I am. So I guess it's something everybody sort of has to work out for themselves. Yeah. And um, where can people find you? Where they, can they buy your stuff? Do you have any planned things coming in terms either of troubles or exhibitions or books or, you know, where can people get a little piece of you? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I'm kind of mostly on Instagram. My Instagram is just at Timothy Hoyer. Uh, there's an email link if anybody wants to get a hold of me for paintings or tattoo stuff, appointments and stuff. Um, I just uh, finished working on uh, an art show with uh, two friends of mine, uh, Phil Holt and Ed Ucero, that's currently um, up on the Raking Light Gallery website. Um, the, uh, like a lot of the work from the show is there. So if anybody's interested in seeing that, you can go check them out. Um, I'm working on uh, a book with Afterlife publications um with zach Scheinbaum, um and that's kind of uh that's in process we're we're we've been going on it for a long time but it's slowly kind of coming together so i'm hoping we can get that finished up um you know in the next couple of months here and and get that gone can um, you say what the is there a theme to the book if you can say i know sometimes you can um or... not necessarily like it it goes I, i pretty much dug through everything i had i'm not great at at archiving stuff so it was pretty disorganized but i sent zach everything i could have like a bunch of old sketchbooks and a ton of uh flash drives that had who knows what on them and um you know and we so we sort of started to just weed through it but uh some of it goes back pretty far it's probably there's probably more painting stuff there's going to be more painting stuff in the book than tattoos but there's going to be some some tattoos uh one of the, a couple of the old sketchbooks um we had a photographer go through and shoot all the pages of, so there's going to be a section of the book that's basically photos of some of the old sketchbooks. Um, and some of those have, uh, you know, tattoo drawings going all the way back to San Francisco and stuff like that. Um, so it's just kind of a, you know, kind of a, a retrospective of, uh, of what I've done so far. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that, that's coming. Hopefully, um, I don't know how long printing really takes, but, uh, I'm hoping maybe next year that'll be uh, that'll be finished. All right. And where can they find you for tattoos? You you said uh, just Instagram at Timothy Hoyer is my Instagram. That's the best way. Yeah. Right. Tim, this was a privilege. Thank you so much for your time because you know, yeah, as I said, I've been looking up to your work and stuff for a long time. So you know, just yeah, even peeking at your wall, you, man. You know? Right. It's just like <laughs> you know, it's inspiring. Yeah. And hopefully sure. one day I can watch you painting somewhere or something yeah i hope uh, i hope we can meet at some point i haven't been to europe in a long time but um my wife and i sort of made a plan that we've got to get back over so um if i'm anywhere are you you're mostly in barcelona these days 
At the moment, yes, but I do travel okay. now and then. I'm often in Copenhagen. Like I'm a bit of, sometimes a bit all over the place. I'm based here, which is a very nice place to visit because it's cheap, nice food, you know, yeah, beach place. and sun. But you yeah. know, I'm a bit all over the place. So you know, if you come to this this part of the world, you know, hit me up, please let me know. So then, uh, you know, I'll try my best to match up where you're at. Yeah, for sure. I'd like that a lot. We um we've been to Spain quite a little bit, and I I love that country. Um, and I have some friends there, so. Uh, hopefully we can get back over there. But uh, yeah, if I do, I'll definitely uh, get a hold of you. Yeah, is there a place where you where you like to go specifically? You're thinking of in Europe, or that you haven't been? Um, um, I like uh, I like Madrid a whole lot. Um, so we'll probably try to go back there. We haven't really been to uh, um, Scandinavia yet, so I really would like to uh, to do that. Um, Sweden and Norway and that and all that. Uh, um, and um you know just places that we haven't necessarily been yet yeah, um, what about Italy? and like my my wife is german so she has some friends and family in germany so we'll probably try to do that as well i don't know we're we're sort of figuring it out yeah what about italy you've been to italy yes oh, yeah nice. i love italy nice. italy's gorgeous yeah yeah let me know please you know that would be awesome yeah absolutely we'll do awesome tim thank you again that was great yeah thank you very much i'll awesome. see you soon Brilliant. Okay. Have a great day, yeah? You too. Bye, Tim. Bye.